Hi, I'm Talia Baroncelli, and you're watching TheAnalysis.News. You're watching part two of my in-depth conversation with Jafli Kaichi on the situation in Haiti. If you've been enjoying this content, please go to our website, TheAnalysis.News, hit the donate button at the top right corner of the screen, and get on our mailing list. You can also head over to YouTube and type in TheAnalysis-News, hit the like button on all the videos you want to watch, subscribe to the channel, and also hit the bell. That way you're notified every time a new episode is published. Feel free to share this video with your friends and your family. And see you in a bit with Jafli Kaiti. I wanted to ask you about Jimmy Barbecue Charizier because he's received a lot of attention in the media. Some characterize him as a thug. Some would say that he's more like a revolutionary like Aristide, but who's armed. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to say what my views are on, on him, but what's your take on him? Should we even be paying attention to him or is he relevant? Well, of course, we, we, we have to pay attention to him uh, and, and accept that we need to realize that these characters are created on a regular basis uh, by the CIA, and, and they are erased uh, by the same. Okay, another name you could associate with Jimmy Cherizier is uh, uh, Emmanuel Toto Constant, uh, who uh, back in, uh, after the first coup, the United States created as some kind of revolutionary guy uh, who was... Uh, threatening the Americans uh, when the Holland County was going to arrive and, 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 and the Americans claimed that they did not land because these menacing revolutionaries uh, brandishing, you know, cutlass uh, scared the, uh, the Marines. Okay. This is cinema. Okay. Some people find these things amusing and, and uh, Haitian misery uh, has been seen as um, material for voyeurism, okay? And so Jimmy Cherizier, who is a, a, a former police officer, who supposedly has an arrest warrant by the police under his name since, I believe, January 2020, that's three years, more than three years ago. There's no one who can be wanted in Haiti by the police for all of these years and to escape. Okay. This would mean this guy is more powerful than Bin Laden and, you know, Noriega put together, you know. That, that's, that's not the reality. The reality is that the puppet regime that the United States have put in power after the coup in 2004 has one mission. And we know this mission here in Solidarity Quebec IT and Canada Haiti Action Network, with which I worked before. Because back in 2004, 2005, when we were making presentations to the Canadian Parliament to inform them that the coup they decided to participate in is a crime against humanity 
and to show them evidence of people who were being massacred in Haiti. And we were on Parliament Hill, and some of these officials told us that the problem in Haiti is that Lavalas, the movement headed by President Aristide, occupies too much space. They want to level the playing field. That's what they said. Because when we told them, why, now that you have the control of the country, you overthrew Aristide, you have complete control of the country. Why don't you organize free and fair elections? And that's when they countered. And they said, because this would not solve the problem. Well, we said, well, then why not? They said, because Lavalas would win. Okay? And so, in order to level the playing field, they took over the country. They denied Lavalas the ability to participate in elections. Okay? They did so in 2005, and they did so back in 2010. Okay? Now, of course, there's a limit to how many times you can do that. Because in 2011, Aristide is back in the country. And the excuse they took before was that, well, Lavalas cannot register because Aristide is in exile and therefore uh, they do not recognize uh, the folks who wanted to register a candidate for the party. Okay? But now Aristide is back. They went around the world saying that, oh, Lavalas is done with, you know, uh, the, the Aristide movement is something of the past. They cannot, you know, get 50 people together on their Olympus. But meanwhile, they're doing their own surveys, secret surveys of the CIA that all show that if a fair election is organized today, Lavalas would win. Why? Because despite all of the money that they put in the other political parties, no figure emerged in Haiti that has enough credibility to win elections against Lavalas. Now, that doesn't mean Lavalas did not lose some of its constituencies and popularity. I mean, of course, I mean, you have a, 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 you know, a president who suffered two coups and, you know, and, you know, you, some people get bought and all of that. However, the opposition is not well structured. They could not create, you know, credible folks. So what's left for them to do is to mess up the electoral card or, or, or the landscape. Because you cannot win an election in Haiti, okay, if people who live in the very populous areas, especially in the capital city, go out and vote against the American candidate, whoever that is. So it's not really about Lavalas, okay? It's losing control of the electoral process in Haiti. And so in order to do so, they got barbecue, okay, Jimmy Cherizier, within the, uh, the police. They armed him to the teeth, connect him, like, and, and gave him guarantees of impunity. Like, you know, the police is looking for barbecue, and barbecue is taking pictures with the police officers. Uh, you can see them on the web, okay? You know, like, or the American journalists who claim that he is a revolutionary, okay? They go and 
you know, they're doing videos with this guy who's wanted by the police. Okay. Okay. So obviously this guy was given guarantees. And before, Barbecue used to run or walk around with a U.S. flag on his chest. They, someone told him that, listen, this is not looking good. So now he replaced the U.S. flag with a Haitian flag and even found a beret, you know, a Che Guevara type of beret. Like this is going to make him <laughs> spontaneously revolutionary. But who are the victims of barbecue? Not a single Haitian oligarch. Okay. Uh, or, or, or their interest has been threatened by barbecue. All of his victims are from the poor neighborhood. So it's a character in, in the United States. You, you're familiar with the term menstrual show. Okay, that's unfortunately, they, they think it's funny okay, to play around with the lives of black Haitians. Okay, and so they've created these characters and, you know, some guys, and unfortunately, some, some, some folks who claim to be liberals or to be to, on the left, you know, have these fantasies of going into Haiti and they're going to lead a revolution for the Haitian people, whether the people want it or not type of thing. And, and they have these fantasies because, unfortunately, when people talk about racism and white supremacy, you know, it's been caricatured, uh, uh, you know, with people like, you know, uh, um, associating with people to the right, to the extreme right, like uh, Jesse Helms or recently with Donald Trump. But it, it was never like that. Okay. Like Martin Luther King said, the white liberals sometimes were more dangerous to the cause of our freedom because they had the audacity to think that it's up to them to decide and to tell, you know, African leadership, you know, how and when and where uh, to lead uh, uh, the, the thing. And so that's why you have these three white guys walking around saying that barbecue is a, is a revolutionary. This is not an issue in the Haitian community. Like, this is not a controversy. And that's why when you contacted me, I told you, you know, I really don't want to waste a lot of time talking about this illusion because we've seen it before. They, 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 they created those type of characters time and again uh, in, in Haitian history. And later on, you know, you find out uh, Emmanuel Toto Constant uh, you know, went on TV on 60 Minutes and explained that the whole time that he was, uh, you know, pretending to be fighting the Americans, he was on CIA payroll. So uh, to us, it's it's not that, that that complicated. Well, who would you say is a sort of contender as, you know, a, a legitimate politician or figure in Haiti right now that would be able to galvanize the public and to lead some sort of social justice movement? Well, there are plenty. Uh, unfortunately, I think we always have this desire um, to, you know, find a quick answer to those questions when actually there isn't any quick answer. There are forces in Haiti that are at play. Lavalas is one of them, but not the only one. Uh, there are people to the left, some of the folks who were involved in the coup in 2004, supported the coup in the 2004, who are leading the um, Montana Accord movement, okay? Uh, they also represent a force on the ground. 
Okay. But none of them have the control of violence. The control of violence is squarely in the hands of the traditional forces. And, and that's why we insist that if something is to emerge in Haiti, okay, and, and we need to have, people might find this funny, but I think we need a ceasefire. And the ceasefire is between the Haitian population and the United States government. Okay, that's where that's these are the two parties, okay, and of course it's 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 not a real war because the Haitian people are not attacking the government of the United States. It's a one way thing, okay. But what I mean by that, the creation of barbecue and 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 the gangs in general is all about making it impossible to organize elections that would get out of U.S. control because there were demonstrations against Ariel Henry, the current puppet, as there were massive demonstrations against Jovenel Moïse. And then what happened? Barbecue took to the streets and started to say that he's also against Ariel Henry. Well, the pro-democracy activists are not stupid. They know their lives are threatened if they're in the streets at the same time as barbecue. So they went home. They retreated. So it's a strategy. They're using barbecue to control the streets so that genuine opposition to the puppet regime cannot get mobilized. Now, they cannot keep this up forever. The people will continue to rise. However, there's a distinction between rising spontaneously and building organized society. And that's why I'm talking about a ceasefire. Because as long as the United States is pumping weapons into Haiti under the pretext that they're helping, they're sending it to the police, when we know the police and the gangs is one and the same, it will be very difficult for genuine leadership in Haiti to have space. And as someone who's worked in the academic sector, um, mainly in the university sector in Canada, I understand the importance of education. Okay? Haitians do not have any aspiration to threaten the security of the United States of America. That's why I'm saying we are not really at war with the United States. Therefore, if they leave us alone, and that would be the responsibility, especially of our African-American brothers and sisters. Some of my ancestors were enslaved in the United States, okay, before they found refuge in Haiti. Okay, so that's what we need to understand here. Now, if people would have, let's just take the, a simple example. President Aristide and his wife and his family, his two daughters as well, returned to Haiti in 2011. Whereas Barack Obama objected to his return, politicians in, in Canada, all kinds of people who were part of the coup did not want President Aristide to, to return, as if it was up to them whether a guy can return to his native land. 
What happened? While he was in South Africa, he said that his ambition is to participate in the education revolution in Haiti. And from the time that he returned, he went to the courts to regain access to his university that the U.S. soldiers turned into an army barrack after they took over the country. Maybe a second to ponder what this means, okay? An impoverished country like Haiti, there's one of the rare good medical schools, and the U.S. take over the country, and they transformed it into army barracks. Okay, so he went to court, and he regained access to the university. And from 2011 to this day, every March, it's several hundred Haitians, young Haitians, who are graduating as lawyers, doctors, architects, professionals, dentists, okay? But will Haiti benefit from all of these young professionals graduating? Perhaps if we manage to stop the war on Haiti, which is being launched by the United States. That's why we need a ceasefire. Because if they weren't attacking Haiti incessantly, it wouldn't be just Jean-Bertrand Aristide who would be able to achieve this feat between 2011 and today, building a medical school that Danny Glover, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, uh, Harry Belafonte, who just left us, okay, all of them used to support. All of these people, they supported UNIFA. Okay, well, we have thousands of Haitian professionals in Africa, in Europe, all around the world who are willing and able to replace that corrupt predatory class that they're calling elite in Haiti today because they are not an elite and they're not capitalist either because they don't believe in competition. Okay, They cannot afford competition. That's why they prefer to invest in a corrupt government regime that allows them access to the import-export business. And, and by having private ports, you know, they import uh, heavy weapons that they distribute to the gangs in order to control their hegemony. This has to stop. And we do not need a U.S. military intervention to stop that, okay? It might sound, you know, paradoxical to some folks, but in reality, these gangs if they're not receiving regular supplies from the United States for one month, we don't even ask for much, one month, the population, as we saw with the recent months, what they're calling Bwakale, will run over the guns and liberate their own country. The United States and Canada don't want this to happen because if it's the people who overthrow the gangs, that will mean they will go after Bijo, Aped, Abdallah, you know, those guys that they're putting on a list to pretend that they're sanctioning them. They will really deal with them. Liberate the so-called private ports, which are supposed to be national property, so that Haitians can have access to their ports, to their airports, and have resources that are coming to that rich island, okay? The island is not impoverished. The people living in it have been impoverished. It's a rich island. 
very rich. I mean, one of the small islands of Haiti, Lagunav, is bigger than Barbados. Okay? So we know that, you know, whereas, you know, they keep on talking about Haiti being a rock, there is nothing. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing. And then you build the fourth largest U.S. embassy in Haiti while there's nothing in Haiti. We're not stupid. All right. So what we're saying is um, we are asking for genuine solidarity, not from the governments. We, we're not so naive to be thinking that Kamala Harris and, you know, and, and, and others are going to do what they could have done years ago. But we're talking about you know, people in the United States, in Canada, in France, to realize that the world has to shift paradigm. You know, you know, for all of these hundreds of years, I'll just take that last example to illustrate. Um, because I think it's it's important. Because you know, every time people hear the word reparations, they get angsty. It doesn't matter how educated these people are. You say reparations, they hear retribution. <laughs> they hear revenge. No, it's reparations. The root word there is repair. And you would have to be totally dishonest to go to Haiti and to say that you don't see that this is a nation in need of repair. Physical repair, spiritual repair, we need to repair ourselves. Because Haiti is like this African woman that was painted by the Brazilian uh, artist. Uh, uh, you see her breastfeeding a white child, okay, while her own baby is sitting in front of her feet, hungry, thirsty, malnourished. Okay, that's what Haiti is. Okay, her children have not benefited from her milk. Not because she betrayed her children. Not because she doesn't want to breastfeed her children. But because there is a thief taking away from her what belongs to her. And the Black Code, which was promulgated by Voltaire during that period of time, okay, clearly said that the child in the womb of the African woman does not belong to the father of the child, but to the owner of the African woman. In other words, they stole our property from the womb. So that image uh, from uh, the Brazilian artist, I think, captures well what the challenge we are facing today and that's why in Solidarity Quebec IHC, we see any genuine effort to permanent, permanently solve the crisis in Haiti must be rooted in justice, okay, dignity, and reparations. Okay, there's no other way about it. And, and reparations does not mean Haitians are going to take what's not theirs. It simply means that the resources of Haiti, including the gold that exists in Haiti today, 
will need to be mobilized for the benefit of Haitians and primarily black Haitians because there has been discriminatory practices against black Haitians within Haiti okay, since the assassination of Haiti's founder in 1806. And, and the regime, the false republic that was created by uh, Pétion and that was supported by the French and the Americans, etc., they did everything to deny Haitians, okay, black Haitians, access to their resources. And that's why today the richest person in Haiti is white. The second richest, the third richest, the fourth richest. It's not because they're smarter. Okay? It's not because they're smarter. It's not because it certainly is not because they work harder. So we fought apartheid in South Africa by lack of courage. Okay? We allowed the criminals like P.W. Bota and 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 Frederick de Klerk you know, to whom we give half of Nelson Mandela's Nobel Peace Prize because we just cannot get the courage to root our actions in on justice. Justice means that the owners of the land, the people who work the land, get the benefit of the land. And yes, it means some of the people who benefited privileges, undue privileges for decades, will need to lose some of it. It's, that's what it means. And I... I'm willing to lose some of the privileges that I have benefited in Haiti because clearly some Europeans, you know, had raped my African great-grandmothers. And yes, there is colorism in Haiti. The closer you are to whiteness, the more privileges that you benefit. This also has to end. And so when we talk about reparations in Haiti, it's not only an internal, external thing like, you know, from the outside. Within Haitian society, we need to come to terms with some of the abuses that survived the revolution in Haiti because the revolution was interrupted. And the fruit of the Haitian revolution, if we bring it to purity, is so simple that if applied in Haiti, we need to apply it on a global scale. It simply is tout moun se moun. Every human being is a human being. That is, you treat human beings as who and what they really are. So no privileges on the basis of race, on the basis of, of, of you know, financial means. Really give people fair, equal opportunity. That's, of course, a utopia. But I think we would be very lazy for not even attempting to implement it and to simply throw our hands in the air and say that it's not possible. No, it's not that it's impossible. It's that we have never given ourselves a chance to implement it. Cuba has tried. They're not doing so bad. When there's an earthquake in Cuba, when there is, you know, bad weather in Cuba, I don't see the number of casualties that we have in Haiti. Why? Because they've tried their best to create a society 
where the state is at the service of the people. I'm not saying it's perfect. Okay. But what I'm saying is, you know, what we're doing here right now, you know, putting puppets uh, in Haiti, um, that's not going to help. It has to end. Haiti needs a form of, of autonomy where it would be able to handle its own affairs. And even with reparations, it would have to ensure, they would have to ensure that foreign powers would not be involved in Haiti. Because I don't think that just giving reparations and not actually changing the system, changing the economic system as well as the political system in which Haiti operates and, and deals with and interacts with other countries on the international scale, if that's not changed, then that could risk future intervention and, and future exploitation and the reparations would just be Absolutely. Absolutely. done in and, vain. And that's valid for the other countries in the region. You know, I mean, you know, the people of Grenada, you know, were on a path in 1983 where with Prime Minister Maurice Bishop, the United States intervened and conducted a coup and killed, you know, hundreds of people. Uh, so we see there are countries such as Barbados that decided to remove itself under the powers of the, uh, of, of the British crown. Uh, now, you know how fragile that is, you know? Yes, we can applaud that our brothers and sisters in, in Barbados did the right thing. But if we as a global community accept that, you know, a few white people might meet in Ottawa and they decide that they're going to overthrow the government of Haiti, well, they might do the same in Jamaica, in Barbados, in St. Lucia, anytime they wish. That has to stop. We can't continue on that path. Uh, there has to be a, a, you know, a group of people on this planet who don't pay lip service to the idea that you know, people can have their own countries. We have to actually take that seriously. You know, it's not that, okay, yes, they have a vote at the United Nations General Assembly. No, that's not what makes them a nation. Okay? Uh, the people of, of, of Guadeloupe and Martinique who are buying banana more expensive than the people in Paris. That doesn't make any sense. They're the ones who produce the banana. Okay? So the whole economy that was created, tented, okay, by imperialism, has to end. And in other words, this means that, you know, some of the people who are living above their means in North America and in Europe are going to have to work. <laughs> it may not be a very pleasant news to them, but someday this had to stop. Uh, and, and, and if you want to have competition with China, you have to realize that the Chinese actually worked. Uh, they invested in their institution of higher education. So, yeah, you can be jealous of the Chinese, but jealousy is not going to do it. You're going to have to think of a different way. Instead of basing all of your wellness on exploitation of the people of Africa, perhaps it's time to think of a different model so that, okay, you want to produce cocoa, 
uh, and chocolate. Well, Ivory Coast is where they produce the cocoa. We're going to have to buy it at fair price. Well, hopefully people will push for a more socially ecological model, but most of all will ask their governments to stop sending weapons to Haiti so that Haiti can have some sort of peaceful uprising, which I think is in the works, but is currently being suppressed because of the gang violence and the poverty and everything else that you've speaking about. Three weeks, three weeks is all it would take. As like the U.S. stops sending weapons to Haiti, within three weeks, the gangs would be overrun. That also means Bidro, Brett, Madsen, Aped would lose their power. So that's why when I penned this article in the Black Agenda Report, I said to solve the crisis permanently, we need to convince Joe Biden okay, to give up its support for the white warlords. Uh, if, if, they, if they insist on protecting those 15 white mafia families in Haiti, it's going to have to be a struggle uh, because, you know, Haitians will not accept that. This is not what our ancestors fought for. And, and humanity cannot continue on that path. You know, like, I mean, why would a handful of white people control 14 million people in Haiti? That doesn't make any sense. Why can't they work? What's so wrong with working? <laughs> you know? Well, Jasper, it was great speaking to you, and I hope that next time we could do an episode on the significance and visionary quality of the Haitian constitution, which was produced out of the Haitian Revolution, yes. and the different sort of socioeconomic rights framework, which it also um, create, created and presented, and you know, different conceptions of universalist rights, yeah. not just for a specific subset of the population, but for everyone. So thank you very much for joining me tonight. And thank you for watching theanalysis.news. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to the website, theanalysis.news and hit the donate button at the top right corner of the screen. You can also go to our YouTube channel, The Analysis News, hit like and subscribe, as well as hitting the bell. That way you'll be notified every time a new episode drops. See you next time.